1: is up, everybody. My name is James D. Fiori and this is Blackball. Okay, we tried to do this the other night, but we had some technical difficulties, but now the man is here. He was recently acquitted on harassment charges stemming from letters and emails that he sent to members of the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church. Now, his case, and I'll just read the headline here for those listening Leeds man who was labeled, the, who labeled church a cult, not guilty of harassing members, whose accusations were an exercise in pearl clutching. A Leeds man has been found not guilty of harassing members of a church who he sent letters and emails to stating that they were part of a cult. If you've watched this show before, you know that this man is correct, that the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church is not just a cult, but an abusive one. And here to talk about that is the man himself, and his name is Lance Christie. Lance, how are you, buddy? I'm good. Very privileged to be on your show. Thank you very much. It's nice to finally have you. Thank you, by the way, um, also, for, um, for everything that you've done in your fight against the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church. I know it wasn't an easy one. I know it was a long fight. But I can tell you firsthand that I have had people message me, um, people that are still in and people that are out, um, saying the same thing that you said to me the other day, which was that this is a watershed moment uh, when it comes to the life cycle of the cult and people that are trying to get out. Can you give me your thoughts um, now that you're a couple days out of the acquittal?
0: Well, if I can just... um say it has been a massive uh, battle to get anyone inside to listen to me in any shape or form when i was on going under um the last two and a half years in the church were very difficult while i was being rebuked and subject to 27 priestly visits but it was all one-way traffic and uh it was it was a wonderful experience in court that the judge took my letters that i've been writing in to the brethren seriously he was act- and then my barrister was actually going through my letters line by line my emails as well reading them out in court and asking the brethren who were witnessing against me, where the harassment was, where was the offence? Uh, where was this hatred that I was accused of? And uh, they, they they couldn't put the figure on anything. They they said, Well, I can't find anything right now, for instance. <laughs> so it, it was quite a an exposure, really, that uh, the, whilst they were accusing me of leading a campaign, even against the brethren, you've just used the word a fight. Well, I'm actually a very placid, calm sort of guy, and I take my inspiration from Christ. You know, it's His Spirit. In uh, it says in Peter, doesn't it, that um, when reviled, He reviled not again when suffering, threatened not, uh, but handed himself over into the hands of him who judges righteously. And I felt, as it was established that I hadn't been threatening the brethren uh, in court, that uh, we felt that the spirit of Christ, you might say, uh, which uh, just hands over, look, I don't, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, but... I took my inspiration for Christ, and I was actually handing myself over to the judiciary, the British judiciary system, and uh, there was um, a, 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 the judge happened to be a Jew, his name was Capstick, and uh, he was very fair, very balanced, and he couldn't quite understand why the brethren in the dock couldn't answer straight questions with straight answers, for instance. So he asked Neil Christie uh, about Bruce Hales, and he literally uh, wriggled and squirmed because he didn't want to tell the judge that Bruce was the leader. Um, uh, one of the leaders or a senior leader uh, came out of his mouth, and a few things, and then you could see the judge getting more and more frustrated because he would not answer a straight question. But, hey, he's too young to be in such a position, his deal. He was coordinating all the witnesses, apparently, uh, for the brethren, and uh, he just hasn't got the experience for standing to stand in court successfully. So, um, apart from everything else, and uh, anyway, I hope that helps you to understand.
1: Yeah, no, of course. I, I was kind of curious, <clears throat> during the court case, because I didn't read any transcripts or anything. I don't even know if they're available. But the I was wondering if your lawyer and you discussed asking questions that would where the answers would reveal that this group is a cult. For example, if you asked a witness one of the one of the eight people that did they all take the stand? By the way, uh, yeah, uh, I think uh, two.
0: Yes, there were there were rich, two dropped out. No, two dropped out. John West of Dasta and Duncan Holbert of, um, of Nairsboro, who um, okay. were fairly close to, to where I am, which I took as a a sign that perhaps they they their consciences were smite to them or, or whatever. You know, I don't know, but I do know those guys. I've, I've been friends with them all my life. And yeah. it may be that they did just something just struck them as to whether it was right to be witnessing against an ex-brother like the others were doing. I don't know. But um, okay. I, I, I can't... It was quite interesting. The whole case kind of turned on motive. You know, what is... and That is really what Christians do. They check their motives. Good people, yeah. especially if you're hurting somebody, like... Uh, you've got to check yourself. If you're saying something that is needful but hurts people, you've got to check yourself a hundred times as to whether you're doing it out of any spite or vindictiveness. Malice. Yeah. Or whether you've got the ultimate good of the person at your, your heart. And that's, so I'm an inside out man. I I, I, I don't claim anything, but uh, whereas you not being a Christian would say, the center of your heart probably is yourself which and i support that because we want you to develop as a person as we want everyone to develop as a person so the more james de fiore is james Di fiore the more the happier we are so the more that lance is lance the happier we are but you see i attribute all that to christ so mm-hmm. if christ is in my heart i radio radiate out uh, the goodness that christ in measure, of course, a very, very small measure, the goodness that Christ radiated out when he was on earth. And it's up to uh, those that meet you to decide whether they're inspired by that or whether they're frightened by it or take it or leave it or whatever you want. But as as shining a light into dark places, that's what Christ does. And that's what he exhorts. Paul the Apostle exhorted us to do in Ephesians five and six, that you, if there's something a bit murky or dark, you shine a light and that exposes motives, you see. And then if the motive you you hold yourself accountable and say, yeah, I'm Lance. <laughs> As Charlie Ward, who's got 27 million followers, wrote the book, I'm just Charlie. Well, he's Charlie, a, a great guy. And so you're just James, Richard, <laughs> Richard and Richard. You know, he's whereas he's been clamped down and crushed through restraint orders and all sorts of other nonsense, terrible stuff for for years. He's now blossoming into the real Richard,
1: and we all love it. You know? Yeah, I love Richard. <laughs> Richard is one of my favorite people. I I, I, I talk to him yeah. all the time, and uh, yeah, he's 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 wonderful. Um, I but just I, wanted to I, I just want to say I challenge religion if it's there to restrict
0: people and crush personality. I challenge it. I do not think Christ. Christ was a healer. He went around healing people, setting them up so that they could be healers and go out and take the glad tidings. So yeah. these people that use religion to control and people and control their minds and crush their personalities are not in the spirit of Christ.
1: <laughs> yeah, I always have a um um a real hard time when people weaponize faith. I I, I just. You know, they, they use their faith against them and they use it to profit. Well, before we get to that, and though know, I want to just get back to your case for a second and ask you, and this this might be a difficult question to answer because uh for obvious reasons, but you had family members that were part of their witness list. And yeah. I was wondering how that made you feel when you saw them and heard them on the stand.
0: Well, Can i just say that josh who's my uh, fifth child and th- third boy answered the most straightforwardly of any of the witnesses he was clearly frightened uh, sorry josh i guess he'll i hope you'll be listening to this i hope the brethren don't restrict um the brethren I hope there's no punishment if any brethren inside brethren listen to this because that would be awful wouldn't it we're actually talking about a public court hearing and really uh, if there's any effort by any of the brethren to prevent the brethren hearing what the world has got access to to my mind that would be very serious but I'm I would say that my son Josh Uh, despite being frightened, was the most respectful to the judge, answered as accurate as he could, and consequently helped in the summing up. Now, he may not like to hear that, but uh, I believe he and I are trying to be honest in our different situations. And we've got this big difference in that I'm regarded as not being good enough to be one of the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church, too evil, so they've had to withdraw from me. But he is perfectly good enough, and uh, consequently, it's he, 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 he was he was right opposite me. So I, I commend my son Josh for doing the best he could in a very, very, very difficult situation. To be thrust into an arena where you're witnessing against your own father is a very challenging situation for anybody and it does raise serious questions as to who wants him to be in that situation. With regard to Jed, my eldest son, who has always been my pride and joy, I mean, Deb and I were delighted when he was born and he was a bundle of energy and uh, he really did imbibe the spirit of Christ in his younger days and was magnificent in the at the time of his accident. Um, and, and came through um, attributing the factors that was saved to God's ways and using scriptures like all things work together for good to those that love God. So he was sustained amazingly through the most difficult suffering. And, uh, but to be honest, when I was listening and watching him in court, and it's he was a different Jed. He's changed completely from what he was. So I, I, I'm appealing to him really to think back to his uh, boyhood and teenage days and decide whether what's happened to him since he left home yeah. and left my area of control or not, I didn't control it, my area, my influence, you might a father has a certain influence over his household. Uh, what's happened and whether he's a better person uh, today as he, than he was when he was in my household, or whether he's become a somebody else, a different personality for whatever reason. So that's, I'll try to answer that carefully, James.
1: No, no, of course. Um, I imagined being you in that courtroom um, this morning when I knew you were coming on. I just wanted to see if i could sort of summon the type of emotions even if i had to manufacture sort of a guesswork game of how you might feel and the only thing that kept on reoccurring to me was whether or not you had made eye contact with your sons whether well, what sir i didn't quite hear that whether or not you had made eye contact with your sons
0: yes just just fleetingly but i didn't notice them returning i think they were probably embarrassed uh, and I would hope there would be, because it's the most unusual thing to speak uh, about uh, out against your father, especially in view of uh, Scripture honouring thy father and mother. Is the first promise, uh, the first commandment with the promise. And uh, of course, they're honouring their mother. I suppose they're happy about that. But you see, um, uh, we're we're. I have the same thing, so I'm empathetic with them because. In 1972, my father was shoved out in very, very similar circumstances, although the reasons for the withdrawal are different. Apparently, it came out in court, I was withdrawn from because I'm a heretic. Well, my father was withdrawn from for the spirit of lying. The spirit of lying. So, in 1998, around Bruce Hales, he was staying with uh, David Bill. A top guy in uh, New Zealand, one of one we all loved, and um, Bruce was sat by him, and David Bill was speaking to you on the phone, and I just said, "Look, my father was withdrawn from for the spirit of lying, and I couldn't quite understand what that charge was." <laughs> so, um, uh, about five years later, Bruce Hales came to take three day meetings in Leeds, and. One of his uh, henchmen called Phil Norton, Gareth Hales' father in law, uh, stayed with us. Um, and um, he just gave me a message Bruce Hales can't understand the basis on which your father was withdrawn from. So, about a couple of years later, it was cleared in the Leeds Assembly that my father had been withdrawn from wrongly. So, but he died by then. And then they said, my mother had been withdrawn from wrongly. She died too. So wow. now we've got a situation, the next generation down, where I'm actually having... It's a bit late if they come to it that they shouldn't have withdrawn from me after I've died. And my father, actually, it's, it's so been to consider that um, my father died at the same age as I am now. He, wow. It was just wow. broken. I mean, I want, we had a doctor in those days. We had doctors. There's a wonderful local doctor called Dr. Burroughs, one of the best. And he uh, he's died since I left, and nobody told me. I saw his gravestone in the in the cemetery. So I had a photograph taken of me. By, but the brethren don't. He was one of my best friends in the brethren. They didn't even have the decency to phone me or send me a note to say Dr. Burroughs has been taken. And so you go to, you know, go and see uh, the graves of people I used to love. And uh, Dr. Burroughs said about my father, one of the last times I went to see him, he said, I think he's got a deep depression. I think he was absolutely right. He came in to the Brethren in 1950, bright as a button, freshly converted preached wonderfully uh, in 1950 when things were far better in yeah. the brethren system far 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 better and then thrust out less than a year after we had the leave of Simington to stay and james taylor iii and uh, and then he did a video doctrine that divides which is on youtube with my mother in 1974, I think it was. 70, I think he did it in '73. It was it was shown in '74, and then towards the end of his life, John Hales gave us a, a, a license to have a little bit to do with him. He was just wrecked, and it wasn't just um, it was uh, all the words they used, and the, they couldn't really diagnose anything. Uh, it was the man had brought his own parents into fellowship uh and then they'd been chucked out in the 60s late 60s then he'd been chucked out in 72 my mother had the family was broken up garth and i were in ralph and cedric out the consequences of breaking up families are massive they're shockingly massive they're emotionally destroying and so my father tried to come back six months after he was uh withdrawn from obviously to save the family unit, bless him, he humbled him enough to ask Oliver Sporden, the local lead, whether he could come back. Sporden asked Simonton, and whenever I asked Sporden about it, he said Simon just sat on the ground and said he hasn't broken his link with Leslie Turner of Doncaster, and one of the witnesses was from Doncaster, therefore he can't come back. Well, I suppose they would do the same about me now. I suppose if... uh, my son went to the leader um, at Bruce Hales and asked whether Lance could come back. He may not spit on the ground, but I don't know whether he would say he'd find anything complimentary to say about me, which might count him a favour. I don't know whether he'd find that in his heart or not. But I'm
1: only Lance. If, <laughs> yeah. Well, also, if uh, if Bruce Hales spit on the ground, that was probably just food flying out of his mouth. So It I'm wasn't gonna... Bruce
0: Hales. It was Mr. Simonton that sat on the
1: okay. ground. All right, well, and thanks with, for stepping whenever on Whenever I asked
0: line, right. about the father coming back, he cited that, you see? Yeah. No chance, mate, because Simonton has pronounced.
1: I, I'm, I'm going to welcome uh, Richard to the show in a moment. I just wanted to say quickly, though, because Richard, uh, actually, I'll just welcome Richard Marsh. There you are, buddy. How how you doing, Richard? I'm um, good, thanks. Before we hey, get, Before we get to you, I just I just want to, um. I was thinking about this the other day as well. In the United States uh, where um, there were generations and generations of trauma leveled against certain groups, specifically African-Americans, they talk about something called generational trauma. And while I am certainly not comparing um, the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church with the institution of slavery in the States, I still think that the PBCC is sort of a microcosmic example of the type of generational trauma that you can do to individual families. And you two are kind of the, you know, unfortunately the perfect poster boys for this kind of thing. Um, you know, th- that, that to me is the number one sin um, that I can think of, of the, the, this, this cult is the damage that they do to immediate families. Um, Richard, can I get your thoughts on that? And then maybe you can pivot into uh, how important you think Lance's case was in Leeds. Sure. No, it
2: absolutely, absolutely. There is a generational trauma. And, and we had someone on our Get a Life podcast, um, Jen Hope, um, who had never been in the Brethren, but her father had. And she was traumatized by her father's experience. and And so it, you know, it affected her childhood because she had no grandparents as a result of her father having been kicked out of the Brethren. Plus she had to cope with her father's alcoholism, which was also derived with his attempt to cope with the, the, you know, the mental trauma of having been pushed out of the brethren. So it absolutely does affect people who, who've never even been in the brethren who are the next generation and, you know, potentially it could go further than that. So you're, you're, you're absolutely right there. Um, I mean, a closer approximation, I mean, you can't really compare the Brethren system quite to slavery, but it's very, very close to the kind of apartheid system in South Africa and the Mm. kind of effective apartheid that was the the USA after slavery was abolished. Um, There's a lot of parallels with apartheid
1: okay um and now lance's case um tell me about how that made you feel because i know that you were really excited you were talking to me about this case months ago so um what kind of was it a watershed moment and just give me your overall synopsis on that case oh absolutely it's a watershed moment it's
2: hugely significant and and the reason is this that it's now been publicly stated in court that the brethren are malicious and vindictive and it's been made very clear that they will gang together and conspire to try and criminalize former members now in the past they've done this and they have to some extent succeeded um i mean there was the case of ian Mackay and peter harrison where they they got a massive court case together and they confabulate all this supposed damage and they actually succeed in in basically silencing and gagging you know as i say ripping the guy's tongue out so he, he doesn't dare speak out again now, this time it's backfired hugely. Uh, and the the effect of it is that the next time, if the Brethren are stupid enough, and they are, of course, stupid, they're stupid enough to try this again, this case becomes a precedent and can be cited anywhere in the globe as irrefutable evidence of the malicious and vindictive nature of the Brethren and of the way that they conspire and gang together to, to try and criminalize and shut up opposition. So it, it, it's, it's much bigger than just this one case. This isn't just, you know, this isn't just about Lance Christie. This is a victory for the whole ex-Brethren community, and in fact, wider than that. You know, there's, there's the Jehovah's Witness, ex-Jehovah's Witnesses who are fighting similar things. You know, millions of people around the globe need this good news. It's, it's very, very significant. And I don't think they've succeeded in shutting Lance up. It would take a weapon to do that. As far as and thank
1: God, because Lance, you're delightful. Um, You know, I got to tell you, I I enjoy talking to you because, listen, I I enjoy talking to all the ex-members for various reasons. Um, But the entertainment value of talking to Lance cannot be overstated. Um, You, you, there it is, right? The laugh and everything. I
0: I don't think the uh, brethren think that because someone told me that meetings that I took, which I thought were in the gain of the spirit of God have been withdrawn or repudiated. So <laughs> they've never told me, but <laughs> uh, I, if they were honest, they would come to me and say, Lance, you said this wrong, it doesn't agree with the doctrine, but to do it out of, because they hate me as a person uh, potentially, or don't like the words I speak, uh, it doesn't seem fair and uh, especially when the meetings were generally good fun and people were joining in spontaneously and i think there's a i think the brethren have become far too um controlled and somewhat um uh regurgitated or whatever you know they 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 now there's a lack of spontaneity i think people are picked to Uh, give words or take readings or whatever you do, which kind of uh, takes away to my mind, I'd submit humbly, that, that liberty of the Spirit of God, which should mark a church that's free because they've only got the best in mind for all. And the leader doesn't think for himself ever. He just wants the best for his flock. And that's how... Uh, uh, the body of Christ, the, the assemblies, you might call it, should function. So there's never any um, arrogation of power. Or you, you, We were taught from boyhood that to actually uh, promote yourself in the things of God is a very, very serious thing to do, and it constitutes a church sin. I mean, moral sins, if you fail sexually, that, that can be met easily because you confess your sins he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins but when it's pride and church sins it's far more insidious and very difficult to uh dig down and get out because the damage is generally widespread so as 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 reflecting uh, what Sir Paul teaches of the assembly uh, we would be humble and not extend ourselves in the things of God. But if, if people want to hear from you, you do your best. If people ask you to preach, you 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 preach as fervently and point people to Christ as much as you can. And I'm not bothered whether you're an atheist or Jew as long as you're honest. You know, in that sense, I'd rather have an honest atheist than a fake Christian. I don't know what you'd say to that, uh, <laughs> Richard.
2: <laughs> well, I agree. One of the things I love about James is that he's very, very, he's very honest and he will, he will say the most dreadful things against himself um, to his own hurt in the interest of being honest. So um, Brilliant. That's, one, that's one of the reasons I trust him is that he, he's, he doesn't make any attempt to hide his many, many flaws. It's all there on the table. <laughs>
1: well perhaps perhaps it
2: a,
0: really is. Perhaps the, perhaps the president in Toronto would invite you into the clean.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> right there. How did you know that? Um, I, I you better you get build... confident in Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just try trying hard, James. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I was th- that was that reminds me of a moment with uh, ex-member Beth Seed where um where she was talking about women's role in The Brethren and how, you know, the table for 20 in the dining room, all the women would get up and then just, like, take all their shit to, to the kitchen to, to clean it up. And uh, I asked her right at the end, my last question to her was, do you just leave your dishes lying around now just because you can? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> well,
0: what I'd say, I watched Beth. I thought she was beautifully honest. And this is what if Christianity, if we're Christian, we're honest. And that is simply means that we accept that we're sinners, we need a savior and you're attracted to Christ. So, but she was so openly going over all that had happened to her and how difficult it was. And your heart was just drawn to the young lass and the seeds were top people, her ancestry, Wilbert Seed was one of the top men in the Simonson regime who edited the ministry. So, you know, the, the as you said earlier about what's generational, I fear that at the time of um, Aberdeen where which uh, I don't want to go into now, but uh, it was a complete travesty of justice to say the least. Um, that at that point people had to choose between Jim Taylor or leaving the position. There was no choice between christ or jim taylor because he had to be portrayed as christ or Christ's representative so despite the fact he'd been to bed naked with a naked woman yeah. um people ha- had to choose for him or leave and it came up just two days later in the in the, the week later and so People couldn't understand, but they weren't allowed to exercise their own conscience, I don't believe. And that's really what I love about David Wallace, that his conscience wouldn't let him hand Richard over. And if it wasn't for David Wallace, we wouldn't have Richard here today, and you wouldn't be here, and I would be sad. So that man is stood in the breach. And saved Richard's life. And I understand that some nasty legal people trying to go for him. Well, that's got to stop. I can't be here talking about my victory when David's under the cosh. And I'm sure you'd understand that, Richard. That man's my hero because hes he may not look like a Plymouth brother. and He's got <laughs> long hair and he wouldn't exactly be invited in to preach. He might have to have a haircut uh, no. or two before he went to...
1: He looks. It's he looks like shit, his. Yeah. He he looks like his side hustle is uh modeling for romance novel covers. But yeah, <laughs> uh, we're 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 trying to get David to come on as well. I for those that are watching, I just put the GoFundMe link in the comments, and I'm just gonna keep that on the screen. I think for the um for the duration of the show. Um, Lance, can I, you can, uh,
0: I, can I just say something. There are yep, three well, people who are thinking... How could I possibly stop you,
1: Lance? But go ahead. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> no, please I'm go, just, go look, ahead. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> I would suggest that if if any brethren are listening to this and they want any sort of justice or start any sort of move towards justice, there are three people that I think should protect David Wallace because he's stated the truth, Okay. And shall I tell you what, I'd humbly suggest that those three people should be Brad Mitchell, Rod Diplock, and Mick Strange. Because they were the Plymouth Brethren representatives who took responsibility for what was happening in Canada for what was happening to David Wallace. Now, if they've got an ounce of moral fairness in them, they will see that they are responsible to protect David Wallace. Because David Wallace, the truth stands inviolate. The truth, whether the truth hurts or makes you happy, is completely irrelevant. The truth stands and the truth presides. Christ set out the truth, and the way, the truth, and the life. And so truth matters and truth should colour Everything we do. So when brethren tell me to fall down in repentance and accept I'm wrong, well, that's secondary to what I'm falling down and submitting to. The truth is dominant, always. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense?
1: It totally makes sense. And and listen, I know that uh, it's funny how um, the media has pimped David Wallace's stories. To the tune of dozens of articles and we're talking from the cbc global um smaller outlets like press progress but specifically i want to point out canada land because this is what i find um egregious and and listen jesse brown and i sort of get along now um you know i i i i I don't hate anybody uh we've had uh we've had a past and i think we're over it but when i found out that the the Ratfucker pod series first of all would not exist obviously if it wasn't for david wallace and the information that he gave it's named after him <laughs> right <laughs> you know what i mean like um and the idea that when the lawsuit was launched by shane and edith wenzel of shane holmes the developers in calgary who allegedly had a role in the attempted ouster of a sitting mayor Nahid nenshi in calgary when when he was sued along with Candidland, David Wallace, and I found out that Jesse Brown was not going to protect him as a protected source, even though all of the information that was making Ratfucker possible, which, by the way, was, I believe, the number one downloaded podcast series in Canada in 2022, and he still wouldn't allow David to be absorbed inside the protection of his lawyers. I knew I was dealing with somebody that um, really is A, not grateful um, when someone gives you the content that makes you money, right? That, and that makes you more popular. But something even worse than that is that I think Jesse Brown's protecting his reputation. It's not the greatest one as it is, but he's protecting his reputation by not allowing himself to protect a guy who also has a bad reputation. Now, when you're a whistleblower and you're blowing the whistle on something that you were a part of, you're not saying that you've been a good, good lad your whole life. You're saying I may have done some things, but once they told me to go and hand over a human being, a.k.a. Richard Marsh, to a cult, I, that was my red line, and I did not cross it. We all, we all owe David. We all do. We owe, David, we owe David for um, the stories that have come out, for being that first domino that allowed the public as minimal as it might feel right now in Canada to even know what a Plymouth Brethren Christian Church is. And, uh, you know, and that's why I have the GoFundMe thing on the bottom of the page because I, I, I David right now, by the way, uh, has, has no money, um, has, has no ability to defend himself because he was on the bus by people like Jesse Brown. And really, we are at a point now where, where the guy is sitting there. He's got no, he doesn't have two pennies to put together. And why did he, why is he in that position? Because he couldn't bring himself to hand over a human being to a crazy cult. Hi, I'm Steve Yerko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, 4Kids Flashback. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Um, Listen, whatever his sins of the past might be, that I think makes up for it. And and i'm with you guys, i'm with you lance i'm with you richard cuz i know you feel the same way that um it it's kind of an abomination so I, I maybe i can get your thoughts on that richard and we'll pass over to lance after that oh oh yeah absolutely 100
2: 100%, 100% i mean everything hinged on on david wallace and and again it was um it was a sort of pivotal moment a, um a watershed moment in the whole history of ex brethren and the kind of um, efforts that have been going on to make public how wicked this cult is, that one of their operatives actually turns around and spills the beans on them. I mean, that's, that that hasn't happened before to anything like that extent. I mean, I'm still sitting on hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails from the likes of Brad Mitchell and Gerald Chaper and all these people. I haven't published them yet, and they will get published, but... This, this is completely unprecedented. I mean, that never happened before. So um, yeah. we, we've got yeah. a huge gratitude for David. And at the moment, he's, he's experiencing a feeling that both Lance and I are very familiar with. And that is being on the wrong end of a lawsuit. And you get all these letters in threatening legal language. And regardless of how ridiculous the lawsuit may appear to be to the public eye, the fact is, it's a very distressing, it's a very unsettling position to be in. And these people can do you real damage. Even if they didn't win the suit, you're still left with huge legal costs. So David okay. absolutely does need our help at the moment. And just uh, just to
0: help you understand, you were telling the story of um, my assault outside Bruce Hales' house by his son, Gareth. Um, w- what you didn't follow on to say was what he did say was that uh, rowan scott hadn't taken up the matter but he did he went straight to the police and i went with him and we put a report in to the police so things weren't looking too good for gareth so what happened was um it would seem that um the uh, that uh, charles Hales, i would assume with bruce Hale, his father's Authorization uh, reached out to a guy who had me to stay called Laurie Wearmouth in New Zealand. And Laurie Wearmouth uh, conveyed to um, the Brethren, or to the police, I should say, who and to the President must have conveyed to the Brethren because the Brethren got hold of the story, that I was outside Bruce House's house to. Stake out the ground with a view to uh, 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 torching the house, and I was apparently—I had apparently said that I was going to put a cap, meaning a bullet, into his brain. Well, nothing. happened Haven't done anything violent <laughs> in all my life, and so what happened was then. Child- Lance just turned
1: in. Lance, you just turned into Snoop Dogg for a second, but go ahead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> then Charles Hales, I think he's the third or fourth son of Bruce Hales, had the temerity to raise a, raise a, a violence order against me to criminalize me. And I learnt in court why he was trying to criminalize me because A, I can't travel as a criminal. But B, if I'd had a criminal record when I showed in the Leeds court this last week, I'd have been they'd have used that against me. And the judge would have regarded me with a certain amount of suspicion to say the least so i can't see that charles who's should be exemplary as the son of the man of god had any motive for my good in trying to say that i was going to murder his father he didn't quite say that put a uh, uh, or, or or burn the house to the ground i mean I, the judge described me, I was, I've never heard language like this from the brethren, but the judge, the judiciary, described me as a man of good character. Well, the brethren regard me as the worst opposer, apparently Bruce Hales told the brethren you as the worst opposer in the history of the recovery, I suppose that's back to Derby's day, 1828, whereas the judge in 2023 is saying that I'm a man of good character. So I think the president just need to keep to facts and really say why I'm a heretic. If I'm, they've withdrawn from me for being a heretic, they need to give me chapter and verse from the Bible, perhaps. And, yeah, well, you've done something which means that uh, you're against Christ or something. Well, bring it on, lads. Come on. <laughs> I'm, uh, truth truth fears no investigation. Of course not. Yeah. It's, I hold myself accountable. I've done that all my life to the brethren. I used to say to my wife, people would come along and hurt us with an arbitrary command in the brethren, but we would turn to each other and say, well, that's a bit tough. Did um, you say bollocks? Did whenever, you say bollocks?
1: You didn't, whenever you...
0: I hurt somebody, uh, said something, it was hard. I would give my reasons, you see. <laughs> So they would uh, sort of help them understand why I was saying something that might hurt them. Uh, But other people can hurt you and just walk away as though it's a command, you know? And uh, Garth would say, for instance, there's no hierarchy in the brethren. Well, how can the, it came out in court that there was. (laughs) So my brother Garth has just got to think again. Uh, Maybe he's, maybe he is. (laughs)
1: Lance I'm wondering I want to go back to your case a bit for I want to go back to your case a bit for a second because if I was in your position I would be instructing my lawyer and maybe this proves that I'm naive but I would be instructing my lawyer to ask uh, uh, as many questions as I could about the piety of Bruce Hales about what shutting up is about what um, um, those other terms that I'm still not familiar with that, that like where you basically ostracize people confinement or whatever it's called. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and the doctrine of separation, especially, I- I'm curious if you asked, if your lawyer asked these witnesses uh, for the, uh, for the other side, questions yes. that would, the answers would clearly be either uh, them perjuring themselves or them answering and indicating that this organization is in fact a cult.
0: Well, the, the witnesses, one of the witnesses was asked in court uh, about rebuking and shutting up a withdrawal. And they they just didn't seem to understand that that was a process that the president used. I was rebuked three times in full assembly. Um, a letter was read out condemning me that Bruce Hales had written to me from Boston in October 2014. Um, but when this, the brethren were asked about this, they kind of fudged it and didn't make it sound as though there was any real penalty or any judgment. Uh, but they were really dancing around the truth because there clearly is, I mean, to take my, for me to be so seriously bad, that they have to take my wife, my children, my grandchildren, my business, my whole social circle, the religion that i been in normal life, and money, you know, I'd take two months to. They, oh, the, the bank said that um, they had to freeze my money as though I was untrustworthy with money. I'd lent there was loads of outstanding loans to brethren that I'd given interest free to help them in their rainy days. But now I was so bad that. I couldn't be trusted with money, so my son had to exercise a third-party mandate, which I had apparently signed to in 2005, which said that he could take control of my, of my money or have an influence on my money of some sort via the bank if there was any, any dispute between me and my wife. Well, um, <laughs> that all came out when we looked into it, but you're a multi multimillionaire, and suddenly you're scratching around the seats trying to reason via lawyers you couldn't afford and financial experts you couldn't afford with the brethren and your family to get some money out and about after a massive massive battle pleading pleading i managed to get some money out (laughs) well how good is that i call that financial abuse because i thought i was quite safe in that religion as in a good religion um devoted loyal Running a good business, successful. Employing a lot of brethren, very, very good salaries. Uh, the non-brethren not quite so good, uh, but I wasn't in control of the salaries. Okay, was. And uh, uh, but I never thought that they would turn round and victimise me. It was a massive, massive shock. It's like I a just, it's a it's yeah. really.
1: I just want to sure. point out that if if me being able to access money depended on not having a dispute with my wife, I would just would be broke. <laughs>
2: it's it's actually a very interesting point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Go, go ahead, go Richard. Yeah.
2: No, I was, I was just going to say, um, when I was with you, Lance, one time, you remember we met up with Nigel Devonish, and he had exactly yeah. the same experience. Nigel Devonish is another. Um, ex-Brethren member who, who was kicked out um, a little before Lance, I think. Um, so, so when, when Nigel, Nigel was also quite, quite wealthy, had quite a big, big business, and when he was kicked out the Brethren, he found his bank account frozen. Literally, his credit card wouldn't work, nothing. And he found that he had also signed a mandate giving his son um, third-party control over his bank account. Uh, and in both lance's case and in nigel Devonish's case the way it had been done is that the son concerned had kind of slipped a pile of papers in front of them saying hey dad we need signatures on these and and both exactly. these guys had inadvertently signed away their rights to to control of their own bank accounts and i'm quite so certain exactly this assume. is this, this this is um, something that Bruce Hales is encouraging people to do. If he sees that someone is getting, you know, a little close to the fringe, he gets in with their children and says, look, just make sure you've got a, you know, um, control over the cash. So if when he goes, we can make sure we can, we can hang on to him.
0: Yeah. So this
2: is a one-off. This is a tactic. This is their MO. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Lance, I did not you... know how much uh,
0: Nigel was worth, but I was worth millions. And, uh, and of course, uh, you try and work out in your mind what's happening, because Bruce Hales, with the title of the man of God and in control of the whole religion, and the man we look up to, you expect him to absolutely reflect the features of Christ. Uh, to, to have You've got to have moral qualifications to take a title like that. It can't just be that you're born into a position, or you're the son of the previous leader, cannot be. So, uh, you, you, right until after I was shut up, I believe that he got wrong information, that that Garth and others had got it wrong, and were telling him that I was a bad man, but he would eventually get the right information. That's why I wrote letters to him, inside and out, and to Dean, his son, so that he would get the right information, so that he could make a right judgment based on, truth and facts but uh then i find myself out and suddenly realized that he was complicit in the whole thing anyway and then of course the the scales fall from your eyes and you're beginning to see that you've been completely had oh Hmm. i mean anyway i'm not gonna labor that point because it'll all come out in the courts i mean this court case was a great start but there'll be a lot more i'm sure there'll be further investigations and the truth will come out i'm perfectly restful that the truth will come out and that uh, you know the brethren i'd advise the brethren to, to 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 come to the truth based on facts sooner rather than later because the more they go on trying to pretend everything's fine and dandy the more ridiculous it looks <laughs>
1: I'm curious, Lance, if there is a – first of all, I'd love to see a transcript of that that court case. I don't know if you have it, but that that would be wonderful. But is there an avenue in in British law for you to be able to sue for legal costs?
0: I understand I'm going to get as much costs as you can get on a case brought by the Crown. Because, of course, they went to the police with their complaints – and the right. police then went to the crown and it would seem as though the brethren were taking legal vi- advice as well so um, when you've got the crown the brethren the police and lawyers ganged up against you it's quite a formidable force james if you understand
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, and uh, to actually claw your way through that level of pressure on your mind and soul and everything it, it, it it's I mean it's heroic what Richard's done getting through all the terrible abuse he's been David Wallace and there are others I mean there's a guy called David Betcher at the moment in uh, in in Kingston he's I think he's probably moving from Mandeville to Kingston, Jamaica, but he can't afford uh, even the, 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 the fare. He's homeless. He moved from South Africa in 1999, well loved by the Brethren, lovely guy. You couldn't meet a nice guy. I've opened a GoFundMe account for him because the guy's destitute. And he moved, like I was loyal to the Brethren and devoted, he was the same. So he moved with the Brethren, from south africa in 99 to he didn't want to go to the caribbean but he landed up in kingston and he married one of the Diali girls lovely girl and um uh, they were separated he was shoved out of fellowship and of course the brethren don't look after people that they shove out and so he's literally been clawing around for crumbs and he he wasn't even for years given proper Citizenship in, I'm not even sure he's got it yet. Certainly some of the DLs haven't. So the Brethren have got a massive duty if they're relocating people from one continent to another to look after them. So I put a GoFundMe out because his mother, who's in the Brethren in Australia, would like him to go over and care for him. So I think that the Brethren should be funding him up to the hilt, but because they're not, despite appeals, I've put a gun on me out. So he's a hero, is David Betts, because he's actually said to the Brethren priests, Lance isn't as bad as you're making out. They're saying if you have anything to do with Lance Christie, we're not going to give you any money at all. Well, that's a threat if anything is. So um <laughs> so can, can did I'm, your lawyer I'm going wider from the brethren and see if we can yeah. get money in to help the guy to live. To start.
1: Did so, your lawyer Lance um ever indicate to you why he thought these charges would even find their way into a criminal courtroom
0: why these charges
1: find their way to why did the prosecutor why did the crown even press charges like if you look at this exactly. case on paper
0: right that will that's that will all be investigated uh okay. it could have been that the, the crown were under some sort of pressure from the police But the police were very. I found the police, the guy PC Wilkin, who was interviewing me. I mean, despite the fact I thought it was a ridiculous charge of harassment, he was a decent enough chap. He was young. I think the case was too big for him. Bit like Josh and uh, in the court, as I said earlier, I feel very very sorry for young people who are thrust into difficult situations.
1: Well, remember- no, absolutely. And and just before you go on, because Richard, I mean, you know, I your case, there seems to be, uh, in the UK at least, it uh, sounds pretty easy to press charges against people for things that seem, you know, rather frivolous. Is that- yeah, I,
2: mean- it, it, I was very surprised the case was taken up. I mean, the problem in the UK is mostly that, there's no really good anti-slap legislation, which means it's very easy for a wealthy person who can afford it or wealthy cult to just press frivolous civil cases against a person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was very surprised that public prosecution took this up because like, the guys have got enough to do. I mean, why waste public time and money on a ridiculous dispute? Very, very surprised. I mean, it really does make you think that there's some graft or threat or something. I mean, it's not the the police just do their duty and they write the reports. It's it's actually the next stage up where something has gone astray because the public prosecutors shouldn't be wasting time and money on this kind of thing. It's a ridiculous case. But, and I Richard, obviously I count- wasn't going to succeed. Mm. Mm. I counted
0: up the number of police employees that were involved in my harassment case, just in mm. the Leeds, West Yorkshire force alone, 40, yeah. 40 <laughs>
2: different people just on one guy, that's Christie. a very biblical hundreds number. Hundreds of thousands of pounds of police money wasted, you know? But I mean, if your house oh. gets burgled and you actually need a policeman, it might be an hour or so before they yeah. turn up if they do. I mean, so they've got enough wow. to do looking after criminals without yeah. worrying about Bruce yeah. Hale's paranoia. Yeah, and they have to be seem
0: to be doing everything so right and proper i wish the brethren would apply those principles to themselves because they should be right (laughs) and proper if they're judging somebody
1: i mean good luck with that yeah Yeah.
0: fundamentally christianity foundational principle of christianity is forgiveness so why why bring um matters to court let me quote something that jim taylor jr said in ministry if the brethren will look on their shelves they could read it i think the date was the 29th of april 1961. i'll just check that out uh 27th of april 61. jim taylor junior leader of the day 1 corinthians 6 would forbid a lawsuit against another brother whether he was under discipline or not because he is still a brother If there is criminality or fraud, you have to be free to report it to the authorities. So presumably the Brethren felt that I was a criminal, so had to report it to the authorities. But then Jim Taylor goes on, you don't pursue the brother through the courts, but you leave the authorities to do that. So it will be interesting to find out when this is looked into whether, it was the authorities pursuing me through the courts. Were they the force behind the effort to criminalise me? If so, who? But I didn't see it in the police officer. I didn't think no. there was anything in his heart that was against me. In fact, after one of the interviews, uh, I said uh, we said to each other, well, who do I go to? Because one of the police came to me... And said to me, it was very stern, "If you do it again, we'll I'll have you for Harrison." I said, I, I, "I don't get it." I said, "What do you want me to do? Commit suicide?" Because the pressure is, and makes you feel terrible when the police come round to see you. So it do you does. Know, you know, what's... make the
1: question: mm. Who force behind it? Well, that's what I was sure. just going to say. No, no, please. Um, but that's what I was just going to say is that, so there's two things that come to mind. One thing is if those eight members can sue you for or, or, or put prosecute you criminally for harassment, but Richard can be almost kidnapped, <laughs> nothing happened. That, that, that tells me something. And what it tells me, and I'm focusing on the UK right now because of your case, is that maybe this is where we see or we don't see because it's in the shadows the political connections um shine through like i i don't know um how a group who clearly has established political connections then doesn't use them in a case like yours and i'm speculating i'm, I'm just sort of saying stuff out loud i'm not i'm not accusing anyone of anything um
0: Look, well the f- you know, first thing you you, you you can understand police getting a little bit, you know, as a boy PC plod and the policeman can get a little bit, get his notebook out and get you into trouble. So you kind of expect that a bit from police and lawyers can be a bit fearsome too. But Christianity, religion, they're, they're there to, um, if you're in trouble, they're there to help you and give you a helping hand. So you would never suspect that the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church would ever have anything anything other than the best for you in mind. But so you don't think, especially when you're in there, that there's ever any conspiracy, because you judge others by your own motives. I would never have harmed, deliberately harmed anyone in the Brethren. So, of course, you don't think anyone else would harm you. Whereas narcissists, on the other hand, um, they... Can't bear somebody to be better than them, so they impute their own shit on them. Do you get me? So, and yeah. psychopaths the same. They cannot bear anyone to succeed, so they're very suppressive and destructive. And if you're in a relationship with a psychopath or a narcissist,
1: go on, you've
0: got one hell of a challenge on. You know, and I would advise Damn anyone. Right those in relationship with anyone like that So get out quick
1: (laughs) yes yes i will heed your advice i mean they will heed your advice um okay now where do we go from here uh we have to wrap soon but i'm just curious um if lance you can tell me what is next like how does this fight continue richard you alluded to it earlier so maybe we can start with richard and then go to lance about how this fight can be kind of how this case can be sort of used as a stepping stone for the next fight I, you know whatever you can tell me because i know that there's some stuff that goes on behind the scenes that we want to keep there but you know can you give us an idea of how this uh will sort of help the fight in the future
2: yeah well it's effectively it's kind of drawn their teeth a bit in the sense that this gives a precedent that proves their malice in a you know in a legal way an irrefutable precedent that these these people maliciously pursue former members and indeed will put immense pressure to drag up witnesses to testify against them in in a very, very dishonest way. And and it it, it really, it it limits their options. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to come out. There's, as you well know, um, lots of stuff happening, lots of stuff proposed, and it's going to make it very difficult for the brethren to refute um, the matters that are going to come out because... There's this legal precedent established in the court that you know this is what they are they're, they're a, a nasty and malicious narcissistic cult that will you know go to any length to try and criminalize or prosecute anyone who criticizes them, um, including going to the extent of weaponizing people's own family members against them to lie in court to try and drag them down so Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it it opens a lot of doors. Um,
1: Lance, we'll give the last word to you, sir.
0: (laughs) Well, I think the last word should be uh, an appeal to all to turn to Christ and look up scriptures. I mean, there's a wonderful scripture that was brought to my attention yesterday, Micah 6 verse 8. He has told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So that I used to love that scripture. And there are other scriptures in the Bible, it's just so beautiful that you just hang on to them. And you know the the light might be painful the light of truth but you see pilot pilot asked jesus and your kangaroo court document, richard came up in court i mean it's a masterpiece and well done and i've written to, i wrote to all the brethren in leeds including richard marsh's kangaroo court document, which you know includes basic matters uh which i think i've got it here somewhere but i'm i wasn't uh i have not in fact you might publish it richard but fundamentally it's um it's um the defendant can present his case at a trial witnesses should be available and there's a brother this is another david i'll just turn aside because i love the bread i'm i see good in there was a waterfall brother called David Smith of um, Sheffield. Bruce Howes had Sheffield closed down, so he's now in Chesterfield. But the time of Boston and thereafter, when I was being told that I didn't understand witness, he's, he made it very clear that every matter needs to be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. This was just privately on the phone which was going counter to what Garth and Roger Edwards and Chris Stutterheim and Priest were saying to me. So he kept me sane. So witnesses are very, very important. You don't bring matters to court. You don't say that someone's harassing you unless you can witness it. And when these guys were questioned, they couldn't find anything offensive in what I'd said. So under the cosh, there, there was no witness. Um, and then the next point that Richard raised, respect of persons. You never have respect of persons in judgment. You've got to be fair and equitable. The next point, charges must be specific and defensible. So you can establish what the charges are beyond doubt. Well, that was violated in my case. It was violated in my case when I was brought before the Assembly in January 2015 and rebuke. Uh, despite... Uh, 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 An elder in Leeds saying, called Dudley Clayton, saying, we must accept witness, brethren. Well, I was the accused, and there was no witness. But When he says that, all the brethren think, oh, it must be witness. But there was no fact, and they don't talk about the fact in the assembly. But the brethren all say amen and all that stuff. Advocacy. Hey, we're sticking up for David Wallace today. That's right. We're advocating for him. Absolutely right. We're advocating for David Betzer because these guys are in trouble. That's exactly what advocates do. And and uh, the right to self-defense and no predetermined outcome. I mean, if it, if it comes out that there was a predetermined outcome by somebody to turn me into a criminal, that would be very serious, surely. So just to finish off, Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? Truth was put on trial and judged. Jesus set out the truth. But he was judged by people who were devoted to lies. Get that? Jesus was judged by people who were devoted to telling lies. So the truth had to be arrested falsely. Get that?
2: Get that? They called called false witnesses against him, didn't they?
0: Exactly. Exactly.
2: Which is what they did with you and me. Yes.
0: Yes. And so Pilate had the decency or the honesty, should we say, but he was in a system. He had the honesty to go to the Jews and say, I find no fault whatsoever in this matter.
1: Is that the and part where that, he said, I wash my hands of the blood of this innocent man? Exactly. Even I that.
0: Well, yeah. that, so if anyone is convicted by that reaction, to the truth being persuaded, being presented by Jesus, they may realize that they'll be supported by Christ and divine persons if they make, fearlessly make a stand for the truth now. And that is what is needed, regardless of the power of the system you're in, stand for truth, that's what you counted, And very simply, the message of the glad tidings is to repent and believe in the glad tidings. So if you repent and believe in God, he'll stand by you because you're entrusting himself to you. And I believe that fully. I stand by that. I'm going to continue trusting my God because and I'm not condemning people that don't hold Christianity and Christ in the same way as I do. That's not my job. Not my job. My job is to forgive and understand and be empathetic and uh, to people that don't, haven't found Christ, because I might have been born a Muslim, so I might have come up a different way, and I might have been judged now by Christians as going to hell if I'd been born a Muslim, so it's not right to despise people and wipe mil- mil- <laughs> millions of people off as, as uh, heading for hell. I just don't get it. I think religion got out of its remit, Christ never intended people to be judgmental and go around judging others. Uh, He he intended us to go around and preach Christ and attract people to Christ, not because we're frightening them and scound that they're going to hell, no, just because we love Christ ourselves and we're radiating the glad tidings and God's towards all men. That's the glad tidings. Sorry, I've probably gone on too long.
1: (laughs) Hey, a nine minute last word is totally normal. So just no, I, listen, I, and, and I've talked about, um, um, belief and faith and stuff, uh, over and over again, over the last little while with people who believe, and my message is always the same. Um, I can, I know that you're a good person. I, I, you believe no. it, you can believe in what you can believe in whatever you want. And, and it's, and oh. I know you're, and I know you're a sinner too, right. Uh, but, but I know that you're a good person. Stop I'm going to say one thing. Again? The rich ruler came up to, christ
0: yeah and said good teacher you know what christ said to him there none non-good but god and you were, he was searching his motives out because he loved money he was searching his motives out by coming up and saying good teacher there is one good not so don't you call me a good person okay
1: <laughs> all right <laughs> you're all right um <laughs> you seem okay <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> but my point my point my greater point though was is that um I used to be more of a fierce critic, and I'm still a fierce critic of religion however um only when people are doing are, are are sort of um exalting their God in a way that I find offensive. I don't find anything that you're saying offensive I don't think anyone I believe everyone should believe whatever that makes them happy and whatever makes them productive citizens and, and good people. Um so uh, I have no problem with anything that you said today. I may not share the belief, but I have it on good authority that if I'm wrong about Jesus, all of this help that I'm doing with the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church ex-members, I'll probably just get a guest pass when I get to heaven. Like they'll just they'll just give me one, you know? <laughs> so, Why? Well, I'll be I, I'll be fine. <laughs> I just
0: I, I've mentioned deliberately mentioned three Davids today who are living today uh because they're all so different. One of them's a, a black man and, uh, David Betts is a black man and a uh, lovely man. And, uh, David Smith's one of the brethren. David Wallace is a, uh, is a political fixer. So what? So what? Uh, uh, it doesn't matter what religion you're in. The, the Jews, the judge was a Jew. My, uh, um, uh, Myerson, my, uh, barrister was a Jew. Uh, doesn't matter they're good people i call them good <laughs> and they're standing for justice Lance, you're and british you're british you can do you're that. still good you you're can good. do that you can do that whatever situation you're in you can stand for what's right and risk your neck because you love people and you're prepared to sacrifice your own safety for the safety of others and that's what christ did that's christ-like Sorry, that's I'm right. going on too much.
1: No, please. Um, but we appreciate having you on. I would love to see if we could talk to you and your barrister one of these days, if that's ever a possibility. Well, Because that would be, it'd be interesting to get sort of the legal lens of this. Yes. You well,
0: know? I've developed a very deep respect for him during this case. Yeah. And I, I think he has for me. And so I'm quite sure that we'll be doing lots of good things together. Um, so you're right to ask, I think give us, if you give us till at the end of February, I should have my new charity open by then called Free Indeed, which is actually to provide counselling, legal counselling, care emotionally, psychologically for leavers of cults. So there's a support system because when you're pushed out, and you come in a completely strange world that's been judged by the brethren all your life uh you you feel like a cat in headlights uh, you just don't know which way to turn it's shocking it's emotionally destroying and uh so i, I i've identified all that i needed i think at that time um and i put it all down in writing and set you up a charity and i trust that there will be many leavers who have got good hearts and want the best for many who might contact me and and um,
1: what perhaps, you can, per, perhaps you can perhaps you can open up, perhaps you can open up a locality in various places in North America for, for this charity. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do anything
0: to rival Plymouth President Church. <laughs> I'm not okay. going to rivalry at all. Okay. <laughs> um, M- so
1: Mr. Lance Christie, fresh off of his court victory in Leeds, uh, acquitted for harassment charges that were leveled against him by the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll talk later today. I'll give you a shout, okay?
0: Cheers. Thank you all the best.
1: Thanks, Lance. Thank you very much. Richard, thank you for joining us again. Wow, you give the last word to Lance, and that's it. You might no, as He, didn't, he
2: didn't notice that word was singular, did he? No, he didn't. <laughs>
1: Bye. I can't believe I got admonished for calling someone good. but you know what he's a character and and not only is he a character but you can tell that he's such a good guy like he's a good person and um you know one of the common threads among you guys uh that come out of that uh cult is that um you all seem like very good people so um that was that was interesting having them on and thank you for joining us as well i'm sorry that you had to sit there in silence while our minister uh took the pulpit but (laughs) (laughs) it's a familiar failing Yeah, (laughs) Richard Marsh, thank you very much, buddy. I'll call you later today as well. You're welcome. Okay, bye-bye. Guys, please um, don't forget, uh, look down at the bottom of the screen, uh, David Wallace's GoFundMe page, which is gofund.me slash a8615b9c. That's gofund.me slash a8615b9c. As you heard from... Lance Christie, who is just acquitted in his criminal case in the United Kingdom. As you heard from Richard Marsh, who was nearly allegedly kidnapped by the PBCC. Um, And David Wallace uh, found his red line, wouldn't cross it, blew the whistle. And now he is hung out to dry. Uh, Jesse Brown. I just have my I'm going to take the last couple of moments of this podcast to address Jesse Brown. Jesse Brown, you, you created, you're, a good content creator. I'll give you that you're, you're a decent journalist. I'll give you that you're a decent interview as well. i have no problem with you professionally for the most part. Um, personally, let's be honest. I've never met you. Uh, I've talked to you on the phone a bunch of times and that's about it. I really believe that you should reconsider not absorbing, absorbing David Wallace into your legal defense. You guys are being both sued by the same people for the same, the same amount of money for the same thing. Ratfucker, if I'm not mistaken, once again, uh, it was the most downloaded pod series of 2022. Ratfucker exists because of David Wallace. You were fighting the lawsuit, claiming that the information contained in your podcast series is factual. That information came from one source, mainly David Wallace. You need to act like a media outlet, protecting its source. You need to make David Wallace part of your defense and give him your lawyer and make sure he doesn't pay for it. Absorb him. I find it troubling that you haven't already done this. I don't know why you would do this, especially. Since you are essentially defending the exact information that David Wallace supplied you with. So it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so that is my appeal to Jesse Brown. Again, David Wallace's GoFundMe page is gofund.me slash a eight six one five B9C. Even if it's just 5 bucks, guys, just chip in what you can. Um, David needs uh, legal representation in like 48 hours, and he's going to default on this because uh, that's his deadline. So we're going to see if we can get another podcast going today with David Wallace. Um, and until then, we will see you next time on blackboard.
0: Black, black Bolt. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com.
1: The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana.